him directly. Love Hang on. Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside is a Legends Tour player and LPJ professional, Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show, and we want to welcome you this morning. Uh, Cindy, welcome to you as well. Well, good morning, Ted. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, we've got, yeah, we, well, we've got another beautiful Tuesday morning here in Florida, and I know I'm, I'm assuming you've, you're back home now. You were down here in uh, the Naples area last week um, at one of the events uh, with, uh, with body track and, and um, trying to get some, some, uh, some feedback from that. But uh, are you back home now? I am back home. And we were supposed to have, uh, there was a winter storm warning, but we didn't get anything where I live. They got it back up in the mountains and stuff. So it's cold though, you know, but we're fine. We're ready for <laughs> Thanksgiving. That's right, yeah, and, and exactly, and uh, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I know we're uh, all looking forward to a little bit of a break and, and looking for some uh, good food and, and, uh, and some good times with family. But uh, anyways, thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning. Uh, Cindy and I are always uh, pleased to have you join us here on blogtalkradio.com's Women of Golf, and uh, as I've always said every week, uh, we are live from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on blogtalkradio.com. Just go to that link and type in Women of Golf, and that will take you to the main page. And for some of you that aren't able to join us uh, here live, not to worry. Just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Women of Golf, and you can scroll down to the on-demand section and uh, listen to the recorded versions uh, when it's convenient for you. Or you can also go to iTunes.com uh, under the podcast section. You, again, just type in Women of Golf. And uh, that will take you there, and you can listen there for those of you that uh, use iTunes a lot. Uh, always would love to hear from you. You're welcome to call into the show anytime during our live broadcast. Uh, the number is area code 347-945-5855. And if you're interested, if you're somebody in the golf profession, uh, we're kind of booked up for the remainder of uh, the 2016 season, but we're looking forward to 2017, which is going to be a great year. Uh, so if you're interested, uh, if you're in the golf profession, when you're, whether you're a player, a teacher professional, or an entrepreneur, or maybe you're an author, maybe you've written a great book uh, pertaining to uh, some interesting facts or what have you in the golf uh, business, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So you can reach out uh, two ways. Uh, you can reach out to Cindy at Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com, or you can reach out to me at Ted.GolfTalkLive at gmail.com. Got a great show for you this morning. We're going to start off uh, with a uh, – Cindy and I are going to start off with a discussion – on senses and some general instructional uh, discussion. And then a little bit later, uh, the Director of Player Development at the Army-Navy Country Club, uh, Liz Cooper, is going to be joining us the second half of the show. So you want to make sure you stay tuned for that. It's going to be an interesting discussion there. Um, Cindy, I, I, wanna, I wanted to have this. I actually had this discussion this past Thursday uh, on my other program, uh, Golf Talk Live, with, with the Coach's Corner Group. Uh, at the beginning of the show, and it was kind of some interesting things. I'd, I'd like to get your feedback, and, and we'll have uh, some discussion about that. But um, the first one I, I want to talk about is, uh, of course, the senses, uh, and whether or not feel is real uh, or is it. Uh, in your opinion, is feel important? And, and let me just clarify what I mean by feel, uh, just so that there's most, no misunderstandings. Um, a lot of players say that they're more of a feel player, um, for those of out, you know, uh, out on tour, and for those students that are learning, uh, feel can be very important, in my opinion, um, in, in learning new uh, new things out on the on the practice tee. Um, give me an idea of your sense of feel, how important that is to a player. Well, I think it depends on whether or not the person is audio, visual, or kinesthetic. Cindy, and how they learn. I'm here. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? <laughs> can you hear me? Yes, I can now. Sorry. 
Okay, okay. Um, I think it depends on whether the person is an audiovisual or kinesthetic learner. Some people are not able to feel as well as others. And there right. is an assessment that you can take to find out whether you're audiovisual or kinesthetic. I think you can develop feel. Um, so I would tend to say, you know, those who are kinesthetic learners want to be able to feel the swing, the motion themselves. Uh, those who are not would rather see it or hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and I agree with that. I think, though, too, Cindy, and I could be wrong, but I think that sometimes, especially when you're learning um, you know, something new out on the practice tee, when you're working with, a, with an instructor or coach, um, I think it is important to, to be able to feel that movement or to, um, and again, it, it depends on what your learning abilities are and how, how uh, whether you're visual, audio, or kinesthetic, as you suggested. Um, but I also think, too, that feel can be important. Now, a lot of players talk about, now, were you considered uh, a feel player when you were out on tour? I don't think it matters where you are. I think you need to know who you are, what you are. So it, let's just use an example. I was at the mm-hmm. CME Globe LPGA National Championship last week for the last event of the tour season with Body Track. And what Body Track says is they can quantify feel. So mm-hmm. I have never thought about my feet in a golf swing. And body track right. measures the center of pressure in your feet while you're swinging. So let's pretend that Cindy wants to hit the ball further or Ted wants to hit the ball further. And they're not aware right. that they're not efficiently using their pressure to maximize their potential in hitting the ball further. So now we become aware of something that we could fix mm-hmm. this you could learn to hit it farther, but you need to do X, Y, Z to be able to hit it farther. Okay, so we're looking for an end result that is measurable on, a, on this body track mat and or it's measurable because the ball is going to go further. So you're going to get a result. But then you have to say, well, okay, now what do you want me to do to be able to accomplish that? So I think that's what you're asking me. You know, what – how do you best learn to change your swing to get a result you're looking for? And what I said to the young man that was helping me from body track, I said, wait, 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 I got to find the right Right. thought. I need to find the right thought that creates the right motion that creates the right result for me for here for right now. Does that make sense? So I had mentioned to you before the show started that some of the tour players that I texted and said, hey, it's Cindy, I'm here at the tournament, we're doing traces for free, let me know if you want to do one. And a couple of the players that finished, one of them that finished in the top five, said to me, please don't talk to me this week, let's do it in the off season. Now, why would she say that? Because she doesn't want to have to think about what she's doing and doesn't want to change things. So, again, you know, how do the question is, do I think about feel? It depends on the movement that I'm trying to create. Yeah, and 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 that's exactly what I'm getting at is I I think that, um, you know, some some players obviously sort of feel their way around the golf course and it's important for them to feel the right movements and the right uh, pressure points, if you will, and that, and others, you know, rely on other senses as you talked about. And, and, and that's what I'm going to move to next is the sense of sight. Um, you know, some people are visual learners. They need to see all kinds of video about themselves. Um, you know, seeing them make those movements, they're able to learn that way much more than if you were to verbally uh, communicate uh, whatever it is that you're trying to do. Now, obviously, you have to do a little of both, but, um, you know, as you pointed out earlier, uh, depending on how you learn uh, is very instrumental. So, uh, obviously, sight. Now, Cindy, I know that you use uh, video and and other uh, similar tools, Not Touch a little bit about that part of it. Okay, you made a comment before, you know, at the beginning of this, 
last paragraph or whatever that you're talking about is what do you do when you're out there playing? And I believe that playing is totally different than learning. I think when right. you're out there playing, you can't really be thinking about what you're feeling. You've got to learn how to play the golf course and not think so much about your golf swing. So if we're discussing how do you learn best to change something in your swing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I would love right. for our listeners to email us, you know, I'm going to sidetrack here for a second. We would like sure. to communicate with our listeners better, so please email us what you would like to hear more of for next year. What bothers okay. you in your golf game? You know, do you do you want to learn how to hit it further, better, straighter, whatever? So, again, if you're a visual learner, you would love to be videotaped and shown your golf swing and sent your golf swing, you know, via email or see it on a website. You would also love to watch someone that you're trying to emulate. Um, when I start swinging fast, I, I just want to watch Alan Miller swing because he's therapy smooth and so much slower than me. So depending on whether or not you're visual, you know, do you want to see your own swing? Do you want to watch others swing? What helps you to accomplish the task that accomplished the goal to change the swing, to get to hit it further, straighter, you know, cleaner, whatever it is you're looking for? Right, right. Well said. Um, and lastly, just again, this sort of falls into one of the other categories is the sense of sound. And obviously I'm talking about the verbal uh, communications between an instructor and, and its student. Um, some people learn more effectively um, through that method of instruction. Um, where do you sort of fall into place in all three of these, uh, Cindy? What, what's sort of your strong area? Um, are you more of a visual learner? Are you more um, needing uh, more of the verbal communication when you were sort of uh, working on your game? What areas uh, work best for you? I'm a visual auditory when I get mm-hmm. tested. Um, and the funny thing is, is um, you know, again, this past week, while we were messing around with the mat, uh, the young man, uh, Mike Peck from Body Track, was videotaping me. And I'm like, wow, this feels like I'm sniping it inside. And it was still way too upright. And so right. what felt you know, and feel is my worst um, style, okay, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, But I had to see that really what I felt wasn't the truth. I felt right. like I was sniping it inside, but the facts were it wasn't. So, so now my brain is sensing, you know, okay, what you think is true is not true. It's false. And that's why it's important to do the assessment. So uh, again, if any of our listeners are interested in taking an audio visual kinesthetic assessment, email me Cindy at Cindy Miller com. I'll give you a free assessment. It's an online thing and you'll get the report right back to you and you'll know what you are so that the next time you take a golf lesson, you can take this with you and say, this is what I am. Please communicate me to me in my best learning style. Yeah, and, and that's a, and, and you know I know you've touched on this before, Cindy, but that is extremely important for somebody to know because um, you know obviously for for both sides, the instructor needs to know how you learn best, and so they can sort of customize their um, you know their teaching around you know more if you're more of a visual learner um, or audio what have you, then they can sort of customize a package that can meet those needs a little bit more. There's nothing worse if you're uh, a visual uh, learner and somebody is trying to explain something to you verbally, um, you know, for a, a 30 minute or a 45 or even an hour long lesson. And you're just not grasping the concept because you, you just can't visualize it. Um, and, and that's why it's important. So, you know, for those of you, as Cindy just mentioned, um, reach out to her at Cindy at Cindy Miller and She's more than happy to, uh, to help you uh, go through that assessment. I think it's well worth, uh, worth your time. Um, and here's another thing that me, I've got to say. That it, Hang on sure. one second. If you go yep. to a lesson and you don't know what you are and the instructor is not trying to figure out what you are and speak in your language and you say, I don't understand, then it's time to find another instructor. 
because right. they need to and, be very open to speaking to you in your language, not their language. Right, exactly. And you know, and I think that's where your initial meeting with your uh, you know potential instructor or coach is paramount. That's their time to gather that information, and they should be um, certainly asking you some some uh, specific questions. Um, but also, you need to be asking them questions as well. Um, you know, when you're when you're sort of pairing up with somebody, because sometimes you know, although you know we're all good out here in in business we're not always going to be compatible with every student. So sometimes, you know, Cindy might be more compatible uh, to this student over here, or I might be more compatible uh, as a match with this student over here. So, you know, this is where it's good on both sides to be asking questions. So don't be afraid to do that. Um, so I want to ask a question, and this is, yeah, and this is uh, kind of an interesting question, I think. Is it, and I'm talking about beginning golfers, of course, uh, those just sort of coming right out of the box, if you will. Is it normal for beginning golfers wanting to, to learn how to elevate their game, is it normal for them to get worse before getting better? In other words, they might be able to hit a, a fairly decent ball. Um, is it common for them to get a little bit worse uh, bef- while learning some new, new techniques or learning some of the basics uh, before they're going to get better? Is that pretty common, do you think? No. I don't. Interesting. <laughs> Again, wow. again, so let, let's look at this way. If you want to hit the ball better, mm-hmm. whether you're a beginning golfer or you're a tour player, basically, if you do what is correct, you should hit the ball better, shouldn't you? Right. <laughs> so right. It, so exactly. if you don't hit the ball better and you think you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and it doesn't get better, it gets worse, then you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing or the solution isn't the correct solution. So in my right. opinion, you know, is it going to be difficult to get the feel of the new movement to do the feel right to give you the results? Yes. But you should not get worse. You should get better. So if the solution right. is the right solution, you should hit it better and you should not get worse. You know, the, the reason why I asked that is I remember some years ago um, <clears throat> when I was working with a student who had, who had come, uh, who, who had taken instruction before, and he posed that question to me. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to throw it in there. And he said, you know, is it normal? He said, you know, I've taken lessons before and, you know, I've had different things, you know, they've gotten me to do this or they've gotten me to do that. And I just found that my game actually got worse. And, I, and, and he posed that very same question to me. He said, is it normal? Uh, you know, for me to sort of get worse before I get better. And I said the same thing as you. I said, no, because you're, and just for the very same reason that you said, if, if you're doing something as an instructor that's causing them to step back in their abilities, then you're really doing them a disservice because what's going to happen is, now that doesn't mean that they might uh, have some challenges learning a new uh, approach to something depending on, on what you're working on. Um, there's certainly going to be some challenges, but if you're actually affecting their ability by the changes that you're doing, then as you just pointed out, Cindy, then you're really not helping that student get better. And uh, that's why I think it's, it's important to have that discussion up front to, to find out what the approach is that that particular instructor is going to be working on with you. In other words, you know, sometimes if uh, one of the things I think was always common, and I don't know whether you remember hearing this or not, or, or you've seen this, Cindy, but, um, you know, a student that was maybe a chronic slicer very early on, I'm talking, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, a very common thing that I used to hear was, um, well, let's close the club face and get you hooking the ball um, and then we'll work back from there. And that's not always the best way because you're not really getting to the root of the problem, correct? Correct. Right. And, and that's, that's why I asked that. Um, now, something else I wanted to ask you as well, Cindy, and get your thoughts on this. Uh, and again, you've probably heard this before, but some, uh, some instruction out there, they will go to the address position and work backwards in the swing. In other words, they want you to get to that, that good pose uh, in your address position and work backwards through the swing. Um, what are your thoughts oh, on the pros and cons? Start at address and get the good pose? Yes. And, or finish? Yes. Get a, yeah, finish. Sorry. Yes. Working from the finish back. What, what are your thoughts on that? Pros and cons? Is that, um, is that so something again, that, that you would... Again, I... No, I 
I don't care about the finish. Now I probably should, but I don't. Um, because the ball goes where the ball goes, so impact is the most right. important position. Because that's right. the only thing, you know, the time the club hits the ball, the face touches it. Um, so, again, I, I, I'm a cause and effect instructor. If you're mm-hmm. topping it, you're not getting under the ball. So then I look why, and then I fix the why, and then you get better. And if you're slicing it, you know, the face is open. Why? I find the why and I fix it. So I don't care what your finish looks like. And so, again, I've taught a lot of clinics with a lot of different teachers, and they're all concerned about the finish. And, oh, look at that finish. I'm like, yeah, well, that's great, but the ball just dribbled down the fairway five yards (laughs) on the ground. You know, who cares about your finish? If you're posing pretty and you the ball's a dribbler, who cares? So so that's just me. You know, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, but I'm looking for solutions. And, I, and for what I do in Buffalo, um, again, everybody's got different markets. I don't teach a lot of one-hour lessons. I'm a 30-minute quick fix at Queen. Right. I will teach hour lessons, and I do golf schools. But it's like, okay, why are you here? What do you want? Let's get it done, and see you later. Bye. So I'm right. a very efficient, and, and that, let's get this done, return on investment. You came in to solve a problem, and I'm going to solve it, and I'll see you when you get another problem. And and, and that's good because, you know, especially in today's uh, um, market, you know, people are um, are more restrict, uh, restrictive of their time. They don't have as much time, so it's not always easy for them to take an hour uh, or even longer in some cases. You know, obviously, if they're coming to uh, one of your boot camps, Cindy, that they're they're prepared uh, and have a lot of the time to make that that uh, a little bit more of an investment and, and time commitment. But for somebody that just wants to come out that's got maybe uh, a relatively simple fix that they're just not able to uh, address on their own, um, I, I agree with that. I think you know if you can do it in 30 minutes uh, and help them uh, resolve that issue, that's the way to go, and as opposed to dragging it out for for uh, an hour or so. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with an hour lesson. I do hour lessons. Uh, as well sometimes, but it just depends on the student and what we're particularly working on. Um, lastly, we've just got a few moments left, and then we'll we'll be uh, bringing Liz on when she's avail- ready, but uh, some of the mistakes on the golf course that you see from amateurs, obviously you've taken some amateurs out in the golf course, um, what are some of the common mistakes that you see um, when they're actually out playing on a golf course? I don't see them being aware. I, I think that sometimes their thoughts, um, their actions, in my their body language and their actions reveal what they're thinking, and I believe that their thinking is not congruent with what they want their goals to be. So I don't know that people know how far they hit the ball with their clubs. I don't know that they go look at the yardage. They, oh. You know, a lot of times when we do playing lessons, they'll say, oh, well, what should I hit here? Well, how far is it? Well, I don't know. How do you find that out? So, again, they're just not aware of what to do to play better and because Mm -hmm. they haven't been taught. It's not that they can't do it or they're stupid. It's just they don't know, and that's part of the catch is you got to start with golf lessons because you need to be able to hit the ball where you want it to go reasonably well within 20 or 30 yards left or right, you know, which is Mm -hmm. pretty long distance. You get, you get a lot of room to screw up. If you can't hit the ball within 20 or 30 yards left to right, kind of where you want it to go consistently with a club, then playing, you have to lower your expectations. And then you can play with a seven iron all the way down the fairway and it doesn't really matter. And if you really love playing more than hitting balls, which I am one of those people, I don't like practicing, um, then just go hit the seven iron all the way down the fairway and have a good time and get better at hitting the seven iron. But I see them not being aware. Again, it depends on how long you've played, what experience level do you have, what are your expectations, what are your goals, and what do we want to work on here? I want to hit it straighter. Yeah. Okay, well, then we got to go back to the range. You know, I want to score better. Well, then maybe we not need to not hit our driver. Yeah. 
Do you think a lot of it uh, stems from, and, and this is really a, one of the big differences, uh, I think, between the professionals and the amateurs, the professionals are better preparers. When they get ready to play in a tournament, they've already prepared what they're going to do when they get out there. Um, they understand the shots that they're going to be faced with. They're, obviously, they're going to be some, um, some that, uh, you know, mishaps along the way that, that uh, they're going to get into, um, but they prepare for that in, in, a, in a certain way as well. But um, do you think that that's a lot of it as well as most amateurs really don't prepare uh, properly? They think their preparation is going out and hitting golf balls on the driving range, but they're not really preparing to play the round. Do you think that's a big problem as well? Yes, because, again, um, professionals have more experience, and you learn by failing, so they know what they need to do to accomplish the task at hand. You know, they'll play practice rounds on a golf course and say, okay, how can I play this hole to my best, you know, skills and talents? And and I don't think there's as much strategy that amateurs use. They just oh let's go play, you know, rather than well yeah. wait, what would you like to do? So sometimes let's let's take somebody with a 20 to 25 handicap. They might mm-hmm. come in for a lesson and say, well I want to learn to score better. Well, you might be able to learn to score better without swinging. You know, you could learn to score better just by playing smarter. And you don't have to right. change your golf swing. Strategy, course management. You know, and Liz, you know, are coming on, will be able to help with that because she's certified in the player development. She's Her job is to get more people to learn and enjoy the game of golf. And she's right. got all these certifications in it, and so she can, she can help us even more with what you're asking. But in my opinion, you know, people need to figure out what's their goal, What's the expectation, and is it realistic? And then let's work on it. Right. Well, that was a great intro. Let me just, um, Cindy, let me just read a a few things here about our our guest, and then I see that Liz is here and ready to to come on board with us, and we'll continue that discussion. So let me just very quickly read out, um, uh, as Cindy mentioned, our our very special guest uh, this morning is Liz Cooper. She's the Director of Player Development at the Army-Navy Country Club. Um, and it's uh, ranked as in the top 4% of all private clubs in the United States. Uh, she oversees, as Cindy mentioned, the player development at both of the facilities, uh, which includes all instructional program, uh, instructor training, member ma- uh, engagement, new member onboarding, uh, food and beverage, and golf revenue tracking, as well as new golf pro- uh, programming creation and implementation. Um, she also um, this year became a certified PGA professional in player development and uh, as well as teaching and coaching. And uh, she has achieved her Class A LPGA membership in 2011 and became a Class A PGA uh, professional in 2007. Uh, she's also a uh, U.S. Kids certified instructor as well as many, many other uh, certifications, as, as Cindy had mentioned. So uh, without further ado, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Liz Cooper. Good morning. Good morning, Cindy. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Is it snowing? Um, no, it's not warm, but it's snowing. It's not snowing, I mean. <laughs> Same here. Um, Liz, Liz, this is Ted. Welcome to the show, and uh, we're glad to have you and, and glad you were able to join us this morning. Um, very quickly, before we get into uh, sort of pick up the discussion that Cindy and I had, maybe you could just very uh, briefly give a, a little bit of better info, a background, if you will, uh, on the Army-Navy uh, club that you uh, belong to, that you work at. Just give us a little bit more insight. Sure. sure. It's um, a private club in northern Virginia. We've got two facilities, uh, 54 holes total, uh, 2,200, or actually a little bit more than that, active memberships. So it's a very large facility. Um, and we're lucky to have 11 PGA professionals on staff between the two, two facilities. So lots of opportunity for uh uh, growth of the game there and, um, you know, individual lessons as well as group programming and, and um, all that fun stuff. So it's a special place. It's fun, a fun place to be, um, and I really enjoy being there. It sounds like a great facility. Um, Liz, we were just talking about Cindy and I in, in our earlier segment. We were talking about one of our last questions here that, that uh, we were discussing was some of the mistakes uh, uh, on the golf course that a lot of amateurs make 
um, obviously are different from what the, the mistakes that a lot of the professionals make. And Cindy made a, a great uh, uh, point in, in your efforts um, as a, uh, somebody that, that works very closely with player development. Talk to us a little bit about that, if you wouldn't mind, starting us off uh, in this discussion to this afternoon or this morning, excuse me, um, about that, some of the mistakes that you see out in the golf course that a lot of amateurs make. Well, I think I was listening to you, and I think Cindy's, you know, absolutely correct. I think the, the awareness of uh, amateurs is not, obviously, anywhere near what the professional level is. But, you know, also what I see a lot is, it's you know, it's about getting the ball in the hole. So um, they don't have the, um, the skill set, typically, to, you know, hit it up around the green and then get it up and down or make a bogey and, you know, move to the next hole. It's, you know, it's in the bunker, it's across the green. So I think if you know, their focus could be a little bit more on getting the ball in the hole in the short game and the easiest way to, you know, lower their scores. Obviously, they're going to have a little more fun out there. And um, I think it keeps them coming back. So I think it's a combination of both because then he's correct. They're, they're not aware that that's, you know, that could be a challenge in their game as well. Right. Tell us a little bit about uh, what is player development. Sure. Um Player development, I think it's a little different from the, your traditional, um, you know, just instruction, um, which, you know, I like to say it's member engagement. Um, it starts in the golf shop or in the, you know, at the counter and, um, you know, making that connection with your customer, whether it's a member or, um, you know, if you're a public facility, whether it's a customer coming in the door. Um, and then taking that person on a journey, whether it's they're, they're starting to learn the game uh, or they're, they're trying to lower their handicap or they're trying to have more fun or whatever it is and building – programming um, around, you know, their goals. So whether that's a get comfortable with golf class or learn to play in one day or um, happy hour on the range or um, a flight scope Friday, uh, you know, so all the different levels, whether your, your golfer is uh, a beginner, uh, an intermediate player, or someone who is, uh, is totally engaged in the game. So there's different levels of, of programming. Um, and eventually it'd be, great if that beginner golfer moved into the introductory phase and then moved into the um, someone who plays in an intermediate and then becomes engaged completely in the game. So there's a track there that um, that as well as individual lessons, because obviously we know those are important, there's other um, avenues for them to uh, reach their goals and, you know, continue to, to play the game, play the game more and utilize their facilities more. Right. Well, let said. me ask you a question, um, if I may. Sure. I had a great conversation yesterday with a young girl who's probably going to be a guest on our show, and she has created a program called Golf Literacy for uh, very exclusive private clubs to help women feel more comfortable and to change the culture of the club to be more warm and welcoming. Do you guys do anything with training of staff? Yeah, so we, um, I've introduced a couple programs um, since I've started, uh, actually just in March, and um, one of them is, you know, get comfortable with golf is what we call it, and uh, the first day, that's what we do. The first class is, it's okay, you know, let's get these people comfortable. Um, I have all women classes and then mixed and just men only, but um, to get comfortable with the facility, you know, how to check in. If you don't have a tee time, how do you get a tee time? Where should you put your bag? Where should you drive the cart? Where's the locker room? (laughs) Um, Okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on. So my question is, do you train the staff? So yes, the onboarding of the member is good, but also, for the staff to be very aware of the new person because I, it's funny because our son Jamie is a member of a private club and his wife, they just got married. You know, she's not so comfortable going there. You know, it's the good old boys place and she doesn't really want to go. And, and so this young girl was giving golf lessons to women business people and they would come for a lesson or two and they would get better, but then they wouldn't really play because they didn't really feel comfortable at the club. So they just was like, eh, this is a little too painful. I'm not that interested. Yeah, great point. And, yes, we do. So any of the instructors that teach those classes, obviously that's part of the training, but also with just people that are in the shop. Um, you know, there's something like 32 moments of truth when somebody walks into your facility for the first time, whether that's being greeted at the bag stand, 
whether that's you know the locker room attendant, whether it's the person in the in the golf shop. So any of those that are negative or you know they can just not be positive. I mean, they can just be a bland interaction, and that can turn the person off from from coming back. So exactly what your daughter-in-law you know voiced and is going through is what we're trying to overcome. You know, we want people to feel like we're it's cheers. We want them to come in and you know we want to know their name, which is difficult with 2,300 members, but we want to know their name. And we want to make them feel at home immediately so that they are comfortable coming to use the facility. Do you do any training with the staff, even in the, you know, food and beverage and the general manager, the wait staff, all that stuff with um, discerning the personality of the member to speak in their language? I do not personally. Um, it's a large <laughs> large facility so i'm i'm kind of getting my feet wet there being there nine months and i have been um really kind of putting all my efforts into golf um so okay I, i've not Is you, and again golf. she's just throwing these ideas out at me and i was like wow what a great that's that's a great thing and, yeah. and i think it's something that would be valuable so if if private clubs are losing members there's a reason why and if the if the it's too expensive and people lose their jobs. That's one reason. But if the value of the membership, the perceived value of the membership is not meeting the expectation of the member, they're going to go somewhere else. So you're absolutely absolutely right. You need to know their name, you know, hi, Mrs. Smith, how are you today? You know, blah, 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 blah. So it's just, I'm throwing the question. Do you think it's a valuable training program for the staff at a club? It sounds awesome. Yeah, I would love to hear more details about it. And I think any time you can create that culture, and, and it, you're right, it needs to be in every department, whether it's tennis, fitness, food and beverage, whatever it is, if they can create that home away from home feel for everybody in their family, then they've got a member for life as long as they're in the area. Correct. I agree. And, again, um, I believe that then you would also – if you give the staff the assessments to figure out who they are, you could also use that in the hiring and firing. Oh, because, sure. Yeah, because you've got, to write, you've got to have the right person in the right position. Yeah, and you know the thing is, too, Cindy, with most of the people in our business are people pleasers, and that's what they want to do. So if you give them the tools to make their job easier and to make an impact on the members they're serving, they're going to jump all over it. I, I totally agree. Yeah, and and let me just interject. So I think the other thing re- too. Reaching sorry, out ahead. to you to have you. We may be reaching out to you to make you. You know, see if you could be a beta tester for this. Yeah, I'd love more information. That'd be great. Um, let me just add. Uh, I think really, and, and correct me, Liz, if I'm if I'm uh, correct in this assumption. But really, uh, as golf instructors, you know, our our job is really to build relationships. Uh, with our students and getting them to feel comfortable, uh, you know, encouraging them to be involved uh, at whatever facility we happen to be at. And, and that's really what you're trying to do with some of the programming that you're uh, starting to implement at the, at the uh, uh, Army-Navy Club, correct? Correct. Yeah. And again, anytime we can get them to come out um, so we can make an impact on them, they're going to utilize the club more. And when they utilize the club more, obviously, you know, everybody is happier. <laughs> Sure. Now, obviously, there, there's, gol- there's golfers, as we all know, and, and you know, if we're, we're being honest in the industry, um, there's some what, we, what you've termed as, as lapsed golfers or golfers that maybe aren't as involved as they once were for whatever reason. What are some things that you're doing uh, or beginning to implement uh, to help re-engage some of those golfers that maybe aren't coming out to the club as much or for whatever reason? What are some things that you're trying to implement there to get them in, in, more engaged? Well, I think the first thing to do, and it's it's a scary step, is to find out why. Um, you know, it's to make that phone call or have the interaction that I, just ask them, hey, you know, I've noticed that in the last six months we haven't seen you. You know, what's going on? And I think, you know, you're going to get a couple reasons um, back. One, it's, you know, something changed in their family. Maybe their kids are, are directing where they're going on an hourly basis. Maybe, you know, family, maybe there was a job change. Maybe they're moving. You know, there's a lot of things that you find out. Um but, you know, for instance, if the kids are directing their hourly life, well, then what I'm going to do is ask, hey, do your kids play golf? 
know, they don't play golf, well, there's our opportunity to get them back. So, you know, we have family right. golf nights. Um, we have family golf days, you know, where we just do clinics based on games and, you know, fun, fun environments so that we can hook that kid. And if we can hook the kid, then we can get the family back. So you've got to figure out, right. you know, what's going on in their life to get them back after the golf course. Right. Um, and, and I agree with that. I think that's a, a great uh, a great point that you make. And I think, Cindy, you've talked about this as well. Is I think the key thing really, regardless of what whether you work at a private club or a public club, we have to make the experience fun. Um, you know, people have to enjoy it. And I think that if there's a perception out there, at least I've come across this, there's a perception out there. We know that golf can be difficult, um, but it doesn't mean it, it can't be fun. Um, how do we sort of shed that that stigma of of being uh, a difficult sport um and focus more on the fun factor what do we do um both to, this is to both of you but uh liz let's start with you and get your comments and then cindy um add your your thoughts as well what do we do to make it more fun and less less um you know scary for people yeah i think it's it's a comfort level too right so if if the people that are coming out are comfortable with you. You know, my goal in the first five minutes of a lesson is to make the person comfortable. If they're comfortable, then we can have a good time. They're going to enjoy what they're doing as far as learning, even if it, it can be a challenging sport to learn, right? Um, and also, I think the theme in a lot of the programming that we do, you know, we do chip and sips, we do family or happy hour and range, we do family golf with games. So there's always that underlying tone of, yeah, you're going to learn something, but this is more about you and having an experience that's positive and fun with your friends and family so that that word of mouth will continue, you know, through the membership and we get more and more and more people. We have a, it's insane. We have a 95% fill rate in all of our programming. So we need more programming, but obviously it's working because that's what they're looking for is, is the non-threatening fun, um, casual environment where they're going to improve themselves, but it's more about the experience that they're having. Hmm. Very good. And Cindy? Well, I can't add much more. Again, it's all about <laughs> being comfortable. I, you know, Liz is right on the money. If you're not comfortable, people that come for a lesson, you know, if it's a private lesson, they're a little apprehensive until they get to know you. So it's all about relationships and people skills. And if you are not a people person and you are not, you know, caring about the, the person you're teaching – you know, they are more important than you are, and you must make them, all defenses got to go down. And, and and I say, you know, why are you here? What are you looking for? Let's see if we can get your results. And and you you lower the defenses and you make them comfortable and you give them what they're looking for, there's no reason they're not going to come back. And then with the kids, you know, again, it might not all be about, you know, getting better, it might be about having a good time and having them not even be aware that they're learning something. You know, some of the things that we do with the, the camp, you know, people look at me and they're like, wow, you're a wacko. Yeah, well, they're all having fun, aren't they? You know, so, and that's what it's about to me. And, Ted, I think another thing, too, is the more you can kind of get away from the traditional uh, the more they're right. perceived as having fun, right? So if we play, you know, if we have a get comfortable with golf league and we play six holes in a scramble from the 75-yard marker, well, that's not normal, <laughs> you know, but they're out there and they're making birdies and pars and they're having a great time. So I think getting away from, okay, here's two hours, go play nine holes, you know, and, and just want to pull your hair out sometimes by the end of it, let's get away, away from that and uh, mix it up a little bit, you know. Play from the 40-yard marker. I'm, I like to set them up at the 25 and until they can make three, you know, they're not moving back to the 50, but it's it's something different. So they're learning something, but they're having a good time, like Cindy said. So here's right. what Liz, Liz is you... also saying. That, that, well, hang on, Liz, right. Ted, just a second, because I have to add to that as mm-hmm. well. Um, so the old way of playing golf is you're a member of the private club, and no, it's nine holes, and your ladies' league starts at 6 o'clock, and you need to be in the clubhouse by 8 o'clock. And so there's all these rules. And and they're afraid, yeah. and it's like, oh, I can't do this, and it's like, I'm not good enough. And so we're taking all that away by saying, hey, we're just glad you're here. Let's go have some fun. And they go, oh, really? You know, because the stodgy old rules is making the game shrink. And yeah. we're not going to have jobs if we continue that. 
Let me let me ask, and, and let me just let me just throw this out there, Cindy. I would never call you wacko. I think you're smart, but um, I know what the point you were trying. To, I know the point you were trying to make. Um, let me just say this. Uh, add this thought, ladies. Um, one of the things, and you're right, Cindy. I agree. I think that that some of the rules that that have sort of been traditional need, need to change, and, and certainly are in, in, in uh, many facilities uh, across the nation. But one of the things that I've noticed, and I've heard this from people, especially beginning golfers that really don't have a lot of um, experience coming to to a golf course or for the first time, they're very very intimidated walking into um, first of all walking into the clubhouse, but particularly walking into the pro shop because. Just the environment there, I mean, you've got maybe one or two, depending on how many are working there, you know, sort of standing behind the desk, and you, you feel that you, you know, in order to go up there and engage with them, you know, all eyes are suddenly on you, and it's a very intimidating. How can we make it a more friendly environment, do you think? Is there anything that we can do, um, Liz, to, to make it more engaged, that people don't feel like they're going to the sacrificial uh, altar, walking up to the, to the pro behind the desk? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the easiest way to do it is when someone walks in the door, you smile at them, you look at them, and you ask them how their day is. <laughs> what can I do for you today? What can I right. help you with today? And that totally you know, puts their guard down and you know, makes you approachable at, as the person behind the counter, and that's something we try to do here all the time. And it seems to work. It just definitely lightens the mood of the golf shop. <laughs> right. Um, what are some other things that you do uh, outside of – or I mean – from the facility, but to reach out to your um, to your members. Obviously, you, you mentioned you know you'll call them if they haven't been there for a little while and, and engage that way. But do you um, do you correspond them? You know whether it be through social media or other forums uh, in order to to keep them engaged uh, with the facility. What are some other ways that you um, you know engage with your members? Yeah, there's a couple ways we do it. We I don't use social media through for the 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 club, but um, obviously email is the easiest way to do it. It's also the easiest way to, for the member to disregard the interaction. So phone calls are important for sure. You know, getting out from behind the counter and walking outside and talking to the members that are getting ready to tee off or, you know, that are um, whatever, milling around, that's a great way to do it. We also survey the members, which is can be kind of scary, but we found that it's an awesome tool to find out exactly what they want. So we created a, it's a 24 question survey super quick survey for them to do um and it basically asks them why they play golf uh, why don't they play more golf um what would they like to do as far as um on the golf course would they like to play with a professional would they like to see more leagues would they like to see more junior golf do they have you know all those questions that we want to know as professionals and as staff but we're kind of afraid to ask um, so it gives us right. great feedback. So then we can we can go ahead and, you know, we can tailor our program to what they want. Um, and, you know, with that said, I've gotten great feedback from that. And then, you know, what we found out is that they want to play with the, the professional staff. So that is an awesome way to engage with your members. Go out, spend two hours, you know, play nine holes. Play nine holes with a different group once a month if you can. And I know, you know, our lives are busy with – emails and whatever else we have to do, but take the time. You get to meet those members. You're, you're spending, you know, four hours or two hours, excuse me, with three other people once a month. And by the end of the year, you've got 36 people that, you know, that you've spent two hours of your life with who you now have a, a different type of relationship with. So I found that that's huge. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and that, again, falls into your, your player development. Um, the other thing, too, is, as I think, and Cindy, I'm sure you'd agree, is, is a lot of people have anxiety over uh, what we call the first tee jitters. Everybody, you know, you're there, um, depending on the course, you know, there might be uh, a number of groups waiting, you know, behind you. Um, and un unlike many of the, the professionals out there who are used to crowds and galleries, a lot of people are very intimidated. Um, you know, what, what can you do to sort of alleviate some of that anxiety? Um, and, and Cindy, I want to ask you this question first, and then we'll bounce it off to Liz. But, um, but what do you try to do to help people relieve some of that anxiety off the first tee? Well, the first thing I tell them is that um, nobody – people are looking, but they're not watching. They're more concerned about themselves messing up. Um, so – they're all thinking, oh, I hope they screw it up so I look better. But on the other hand, right. what can you do about your own game? You know, you need to focus on the task at hand. 
And worrying about where it is going to go is something in the future. So you can only control what you're doing with the club at the time to be able to hit the ball. So you need to focus on what you've been working on, you know. And, and again, right. you got to know where do you want the ball to go, not where do you don't want the ball to go. And so, you know, if you have a plan and you have an awareness, and I'm just – my swing thought might be da-dum, da-dum, you know, I need to know when to – shift states and my thinking to create the shot that I want to create. And if you don't know that, then you got to be, you know, thinking of something, you know, it might just be swing smooth. You know, again, there's my auditory that ump that ump and swing smooth would be a cadence that I w- might think myself because I tend to be a speeding maniac, but you have to know whether it's like, all right, I'm going to visualize a smooth swing. I'm trying to feel you know, my arms go close to me and follow through, or it's a it's a auditory uh, thing. But you need to know what you're thinking when you're swinging. What's your right brain right. thought to create the motion? Right, and and Liz, I'm sure you would agree with with uh, with what Cindy just said. But let me just ask it in a slightly different way um, to you. Uh, obviously, you know there is a lot of anxiety for some players that that get up there um, on that first tee and that. Um, what are some specific tools that you, uh, or, or training that you give your students, um, in addition maybe to what Cindy has just pointed out? Um, you know, do you try, you know, a lot of people are very comfortable on the practice tee or on the driving range, but are unable to take that game. What do you do to sort of help them take that game, if you will, uh, or their, their abilities on the driving range out to the golf course? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're comfortable on the driving range because there's always another ball there, right? So we can hit another ball if we hit right. that one bad. So if you can train yourself to be in the situation that you're nervous about, then you're going to be a lot better during that situation. So, you know, a lot of times what I'll do is we'll play the golf course on the on the driving range and, um, you know, make them visualize the hole. And, and that way when they've got up to get up to the first tee, they've done it. They've been there. Now, yes, the situation is not quite the same, but, you know, you can also add a little bit of pressure where, um, you know, you, we're hitting four balls or out of five in the fairway before we can move to the next hole, whatever it is, so that they've got – they ha- can recall, hey, I've done this before. I've had a successful shot here. I've, you know, if they're a visual per- person, they can visualize the shot and go ahead and tee it up and hit it. And, uh, you know, when they can rely on something that they've done well in the past, they're going to be more successful. Right. And I and I think, you know, Cindy, we, we touched on this earlier, but – um, in, in our earlier discussion about not um, being properly prepared. And, Liz, I would, I would say that that's probably a big mistake that a lot of uh, amateurs and even some of the club golfers make is not being prepared um, for their round. In other words, they get up to that first tee and they see this big wide fairway and they don't know what to do. They don't have a game plan in mind. Um, that's something, too, I think that we need to help them with, too, uh, correct? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Picking a target, you know, pre-shot routine, whatever it is that that they're not prepared <laughs> prepared to do. Um, definitely anything we can do to prepare them or they can prepare themselves and, you know, do it routinely. It's not something that, oh, I'll do it on the first hole and maybe on the sixth hole. It's, it's a practice we're going to do over and over again until it becomes second nature. Right. Um, what, uh, as far as, some of the opportunities, what are some of the other opportunities that you have at the, at the club uh, above and beyond just uh, taking lessons? I know you mentioned a few of them earlier, but what are some other um, areas that you're trying to implement at, uh, at the Army Navy club? Sure. I'll tell you how we, we came about a lot of these. So um, twice, actually three times, I think last year or this year, we put up a, a big, why do you play golf poster? Um, and on the poster, obviously it's why do you play golf? There's a line on the bottom on the right side is for a sport and competition reasons. On the left side is for social and entertainment reasons. And we did this at our opening day and our closing day. And um, I give them stickers, and they they put their stickers on that spectrum, why they play golf, um, you know, to give you a reference. Obviously, I want to play well, but, you know, for me to spend four hours on the golf course, I definitely want to have a good time while I'm out there. So I'm totally in the middle there of the of the spectrum. Now, your typical spectrum is probably 60% of your, your dots are on the social to um, entertainment side. So we take a, a look at that, you know, the chart that we've created and go, okay, what do the members want? So that's why I would say probably 60% of our activities are have a social um, interaction with them. 
Um, that's not to say that we leave the totally engaged or, you know, competition-focused um, programming out. But some of the fun things we've done, um, the learn to play in one day is a lot of fun, uh, six hours of instruction and lunch. Um, and then there's, you know, the next step to that, we've created the league so that anybody who goes through a learn to play or get comfortable with golf now has a built-in group of people that are all pretty much the same skill level. Um, they go out, We go out and we play a short short course, and it's usually six holes. Um, so there's a next step to that process. And once they get comfortable there, then they can move on to, you know, whether it's the nine-hole ladies or whether it's the senior men's league or whatever it is. Um, happy hour on the range is something we're going to implement. Uh, it should be a lot of fun when we roll the bar out, uh, put some music on, uh, and have, you know, frozen marshmallow long drive contest. We've got a chipping contest with the, the big fan. Um, we're going to use a ping pong ball. <laughs> so that'll be fun to try and get him close to the hole. Um, you know, just stuff to mix it up. And, you know, these are near golf experiences, right, where you, know, we, you kind of dip your toe in and, and go, oh, this could be fun. So let's figure out what the next thing to do is. Um, and another thing I've yeah, done that's been successful is um, kind of selling the results, right? So we don't have putting clinics. We have no more three putts. <laughs> you know, we don't have, um, uh, you know, just your normal short game clinic. They all have names that are, that are catchy and that, that you are going to know exactly what you're going to get when you get there. So that's worked out. Yeah, and I, and I think, and Cindy, I'm sure you would agree, I think it's important that you have to, in this day and age, I think in order to, to engage, especially um, some of the younger generations out there, you've got to have something that's a little bit different from the traditional uh, lesson book, if you will. And, and obviously there's a time and place for, uh, for some of your traditional style lessons, but I think you do have to, to offer something a little bit different to get people engaged and, and get them interested and make it fun because um, it is a difficult sport, as we all know. It, it can be very challenging, but that's one of the appeals to it. It is a challenge. Um, and that's what makes it fun. But for some, um, it can be a little bit too challenging. So I think if you have some of the things that you're, you're implementing now uh, out there to get them engaged and, and make them realize that it's not all just about playing 18 holes, there's other uh, areas of golf that they can be involved in uh, to get their feet wet, so to speak, and then progress uh, however they see fit. Um, and it sounds like you've got some, some good programs in play there. Absolutely. Yep, it's all about having fun and you know, getting involved. Well, and, and again, what, what Liz said is we find out their why. Why are you here? Why are there 2,200 members? That's a lot of members. Yeah. So yes. they're doing something right or they wouldn't have that many members. So kudos to you, Liz, and your team because that's amazing. Great job. Thank you. Well, well Liz, uh, unfortunately, we our, our time's uh, run short. It's, it's, uh seems to have flown by here a little quicker than I anticipated. Um, but we want to thank you for this opportunity. And, and if there's listeners out there that maybe would like to reach out to you to, to learn a little bit more uh, about your facility, I know it's a, a private club, but maybe they might be interested in, in, uh, in pursuing uh, some avenues there. Uh, how can they go about uh, reaching out to you? Sure. Um, my email is liz.cooper at ancc.org. Feel free to email me you know, if you're looking for ideas on player development or, or any information about the club. I'm happy to, happy to get back to you. Perfect. Well, thank you very thank much you for, so for joining City Night. Yeah, and, and happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. It's been a pleasure talking to you both, and I hope you and your families have a wonderful Thanksgiving as well. Same All right. as you. Perfect. You. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank All right. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Um, very interesting. Um, very interesting discussion, Cindy. And, um, you know, I, I like some of the things that, that she, you know, mentioned that she's implementing. And I know that you have a lot of great programs, and let well, we've got just a moment or two left. I wanted to allow you some time uh, to talk about something that you're offering. Uh, we've talked about the last couple of shows, so I'll give you a moment here just to go ahead and, and uh, reiterate uh, what your offer is. Yes, the Learn to Hit It kit. So learn to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose in your backyard, your front porch, anywhere, even your hotel room. So it includes a portable Callaway mat, foam golf balls, my Golf 101 book, a coupon for 10% off any Callaway Golf Club, and access to the online course that you can do. Uh, you can really hit balls watching your iPad and learn how to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. So for more information, go to cindymillergolf.com and click on Learn to Hit a Kit, or go to learntohitakit.com. It's $99.99 plus tax and shipping. So I would love it's a great gift for Christmas.
Great gift. Perfect. Perfect. And we're going to uh, keep updating you on that uh, in the, the last few weeks. Uh, we've got a few more shows here um, before we, we uh, go off air for uh, the 2016 season, but we'll be picking it up uh, very early in the new year uh, in January and uh, we'll let you know the exact date we'll be back. But uh, we've still got a few more great shows, so make sure you tune in uh, to the Women of Golf show. Cindy and I would love to. And as Cindy mentioned in the beginning, um, we want to hear from you. We want to know um, what are some maybe some topics that you want to hear. How can we help you with your game? So reach out to Cindy or I. Uh, her email is uh, Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com. Mine is uh, Ted.GolfTalkLive at gmail.com. Uh, share our thoughts. We're both on social media as well. You can find us there very easily. Uh, you can certainly reach out that uh, way as well. Or you can call into the show if you want sometime during the broadcast. Uh, the number again is 347-945-5850. Uh, 945-5855. A lot of fives. Um, and we would love to hear from you and uh, share with us some things that maybe you're struggling with in your game or things that you would like for us to discuss on the show. So please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we want to make sure that you're engaging in the program as well. Um, Cindy, have a great uh, Thanksgiving also to all of you out there. And we look forward to seeing you next week uh, on the women of golf show. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Ted. Have a great week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.